I'm Christian Kiriaku and um, I'm a house whisperer and shamanic architect. I work with the energy of buildings and correlating people's inner world and life to the heart and soul of where they live and um, it is a fascinating uh, fascinating thing to be doing with people. So uh, that's me and you are listening to Adventures in Dowsing from the British Society of Dowsers. Happy New Year! <coughs> welcome to 2012 and welcome to Adventures in Dowsing podcast number 33 from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm Graham Gardner. Now this episode is part two of what looks like becoming our Christian Kiriakou season as I still have some more material from them to get through and hopefully we'll manage to uh, get that into next podcast. I said in the last episode that we would be featuring his talk to conference in this episode and this is it. Now, it's an unusually free-flowing talk with lots of audience participation, and it's not been easy to produce this for the podcast in terms of getting all the uh, audio levels uh, um, adequate, uh, but I think you'll find it interesting. So let's go straight into it. Here's Christian. Well, good morning. It's always this moment when you think, <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> What is it I'm going to say? <laughs> um, I think just time to listen and allow the vibrations of the gong to come to you. So don't listen to the gong. Allow the vibrations to come into your energy fields and see what happens. So if you want to put down any worldly goods and pens and... So everyone is scribbling away. I don't know what you're writing. <laughs> Gone with a G. Okay. <laughs> See what sort of weekend this is going to be. <laughs> okay.
So how was that? <laughs> what has that done to the vibration of the space, the energy matrix of this room, of your auric energy? Cleared it. It's pulled it together. Pulled it together, yeah. There's a kind of difference between clearing space. I prefer to use the word aligning because our energy fields become unaligned due to the just the fragmentation of life. And uh, this gong is actually quite magical in its vibrations, whether it's used in a group or uh, more so individually, because it will actually give you the harmonics that are missing in your fields. But the incredible thing is that the most perfect instrument for sound and harmonics is the human body. And our own voices carry that same <clears throat> potential for self-healing. So whatever harmonics are missing in our energy fields, we can actually put them back in because we carry the coding of perfect beingness. Our original design So how are we sensing the energy of... We're going to be looking at the soul, the soul of the building, finding the soul of the building. What do we feel about the soul of this room, the soul of the whole of um, this estate, the main building? What sense do we get of it? It's diverse. Diverse. Disjointed. Yes. Disjointed. Disjointed. Fragmented. Yeah. Busy. Fuzzy. Busy. Busy. Uh -huh. It reflects our own. Reflects our own. Don't like the heavy beams. Don't like the heavy beams. Uh -huh. Yeah, not, uh, not good feng shui energy, whatever. Sacred geometry, unsacred geometry. Fragmented space. <laughs> yeah. What, what else do we know? How do we feel about this place? Functional for only one purpose. Energies. Full of good energies. Absolutely. I'll take you for a walk later and show you. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the first thing when I arrived yesterday to get my key was a lady saying um, she went to a room and there was uh, a man's clothes in the room, and then the guy behind the desk said, Oh, that's the haunted room. And I thought, Right, I'm in the right place here. <laughs> You tend to attract these things. <laughs> so the original soul of the building, what is it? Snobbish. It's what? Snobbish. Snobbish. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay. 
Are we talking about one particular building or the whole complex? Wherever your because connection takes you. Well, di yeah. Diff different buildings, different cities. They will. Let, let's talk about the main building. So we can all project, uh, we all have the ability to project, uh, put our energy field into the main building. What is it telling us? What is, what is the soul? See, when a building is designed by designer architect, um, at that moment of conception, it's when the soul uh, is it, kind of born. And depending on the blueprint of the architect, they will imprint their own uh, beingness on the design of that building. And that will stay there, uh, encoded. But that blueprint, so you, you've often heard um, a mad architect will create madness in the people who live in those buildings. Because that is in the whole DNA, in the whole coding of the building. Yeah. The building was built by Kujin, who was ah. called God's architect. He was not allowed to design the outside of the House of Parliament, but he designed everything inside it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so if you know Pugin, um, that is the energy this building will carry. And that doesn't change. It doesn't matter whatever you do with the building. That original soul, that imprint, that purpose of being, why it was designed is... Uh, was it actually designed as an agricultural college originally? Yes, it's the yeah. best agricultural college in the world. Right. Thank you, and I should have done my history before. I, <laughs> I prefer not to, actually. That's, that's my excuse. So that blueprint will be held here until there's a need to change it. And uh, we, we hear about, you know, when we want to make a change of use of a building. Now, if you wanted to change this into apartments, into flats, what would happen? What would happen to those people who move into the converted flats. Will be affected by the previous energies. Unless unless the code of the building is changed, it will still be an agricultural college. It will still be one soul. But someone has come along and chopped it up into two hundred flats. One soul has been fragmented. And I find this going into buildings at country houses where they've been converted to flats, and you get this hit in the stomach, and I hear the building saying, they never asked if they could cut me up. And it's in pain. And so the people living there are being affected by that fragmentation, that emotional disaster that's happened. But this is what we do with buildings. So, um, to, to change the, uh, the use of a building, we need to get back to the original code through the layers of, uh, I call it, re regressing a building, right through all the years and the layers and all the activities, doing the clearing, the realigning, back to the original source code, the original blueprint of um, Pugin in this case, and connect with that soul of the building and work with it to change it. And then it can be brought back a couple of hundred years or however old this was, uh, 150 years, um, back into the present time. And then it is fully engaged 
at this moment to work with you. So do we get a sense of that? And I'm sure we've all had experiences of buildings that don't work. I mean, who lives, who lives somewhere where, where they don't feel at home? Hands up, where if you don't feel at home where you live? A few. <laughs> and what this means when we don't feel at home uh, where we live is that the harmonics of our heart have not um, engaged with the heart and soul of the building. The waves have not merged. They're not in sync. They're out. And it doesn't matter how long you live in a building, you will never feel at home unless you've addressed that and merged the hearts. And there is a meditation I do when working with people after you do the clearing, the aligning, um, and work, working um, in a typical house can take four, five, six hours, six hours sometimes, because it's to do with getting to know the soul of the building. But you've got to find it first, and it's often hidden under layers and layers. Um, and when you do find that, and all the processing is uh, going on with the people uh, living there, you can get to a point towards the end where you can do a meditation to actually bring the harmonics of the heart and get that vibration and that of the soul of the building and get them to meet. And that is the most beautiful point where the house and the people go, ah, I'm at home. And our true home, of course, is where our heart is vibrating um, openly. And the heart, as you may know, is the golden mean harmonic. Um, is that all familiar to everybody? Sacred geometry. Anybody not familiar with the golden mean? Very few. Oh, how refreshing. <laughs> um, so for those who are not, the golden mean harmonic is the only harmonic in nature that has no stress at the node points. Whereas squares and rectangles, that's a nautilus shell. That's a golden mean spiral. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And that will expand and contract infinitely with no stress. Nature, the sunflower, and in fact, uh, again in the workshops um, this afternoon, those who are there, uh, I'll be illustrating this with um, the universe, nature, architecture, and how that all works together. Um, so the, goal, the, the heart actually vibrates to the golden mean harmonic. That's its natural state. And so it's expansive and contractive, and nothing can actually stop it. It's the pentagram in geometry, and it's a pentagram we used to send energy out. It's used to send a spell out, yeah? It's the natural world. It's the Mother Earth world, the nourishing world. Whereas the, he uh, the hexagram is the six-sided, is the mineral world, it's the masculine. So we've got the masculine and the feminine. And so in architecture, in buildings, um, particularly in sacred buildings, you will always find a balance or a reflection of the pentagram and the hexagram in some form. Because it's about this weave of the masculine-feminine. I think you were talking about that last night, Peter, weren't you? Um, and it's always important to get that balance. And so, for example, at Salisbury Cathedral in the cloister, you have the tracery of the um, 
uh, stonework, and you've got hexagram, pentagram, hexagram, pent. Is anyone familiar with that? I'm sure you've all seen it, but often we don't like count, but my mind counts things and uh, uh, sees symbolism. And so you've got this weave of masculine feminine. And you see this in many sacred buildings. Once you start uh, looking at that, Christopher Wren's um, Hampton Court, the courtyard, you've got a similar thing with heads of male, heads female, male, female. All this knowledge is always built in to, to sacred architecture. So ultimately, what is the point of all this? <laughs> Why are we here? Why do we look at yin-yang, male-female? Why do we talk about balance? Because that's the first step away from our true nature, our true consciousness of unity. And therefore, if we can get back to duality very clearly, and knowing that yin-yang, weave of male-female, that's the closest we can get to resting in that and ultimately letting that go because duality is still an illusion. Experience is still an illusion. It's still duality. But once we let that go, there is only ourselves left. And so the purpose for any sacred architecture, sacred literature, sacred music, is to remind us of who we truly are. And that is absolute beings connected to universal source. Full potential of power that we can use for whatever purpose we're here for. So, would we like to experience what we've just been speaking about through the sound of our voices? Was that a yes? <laughs> okay. Um, for this, we do need to stand. If, if you feel you need to stay seated, please do. Um, but within the arrangement we've got, is it possible to stand? Yeah? So if we can do that. There seem a lot more of you now. <laughs> okay, so try and, uh, within the space we have... Uh... <laughs> okay, so keep, keep really loose and, um, and just take a nice deep breath in. And in. Breathe out. Breath in, and now on the outward breath, just let any sound carry on the voice. And keep breathing and sounding, and just let that sound go wherever it wants to go. Higher, lower, softer, louder. Follow your own sound.
Beautiful. Oh. One Tibetan temple. <laughs> yeah, we are the Tibetan temple. So how did that feel? What do we know about who we are through sound? It passes the vibrations. We are part of the vibrations around us. Yeah. We are the sound we make, but also we're not the sound we make. It carries both. Sound carries knowledge. In the Sanskrit circle of nine points, between one and nine, one being absolute ourselves, and nine being earth, final manifestation, halfway is the number five, akasha, space, ether. It's where things manifest through sound. They reflect the inner world to the outer four elements. So through listening, all knowledge can be um, understood, felt, known through sound. So when somebody phones up for a consultation, their first words, you know what's going on <laughs> through the sound. It's carried. It's carried in the seed form of that person. They don't have to talk for half an hour. Well, they do. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> but I only need to hear that one word, hello. And you've got the seed point. The knowledge is carried in that. And then from that, you work. So let's sound again and really listen to the center. Good clear out, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so really rest. Rest in the center of your own sound and don't hold anything back. Back of the throat open, mouth open, and heart open. Let it flow. Deep breath in. So what happened there? What dimensions did we open up? What's coming through? It seems to be harmony. Mm -hmm. It felt cosmic. Sorry? It felt cosmic. Cosmic. Yeah, we certainly opened up other dimensions there. Uh, 
I get taken back to ancient caves working with this. Uh, and so it's actually a bit difficult to come back into the room now. <laughs> but uh, I'm here. Um, what do we know from that sound? Peace and love and joy and music. Peace and love and joy, joy and, music. and music. Beauty. Beauty. Thank you. It does travel. It travels. It travels. It travels. Yeah. <coughs> tuning in one with each other. Yeah. Are we separate from each other? Becoming more <laughs> <laughs> It's also holding back, not giving you a full song, not being used to it. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of natural to kind of. Because of the shape of the building, I don't think we gave that noise. It's noise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's dampened with the, yeah. the yeah. finishes. It's designed like that. Yeah, which... I feel restricted, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, try. yeah. But it, you are picking up the uh, the program, the blueprint of the room. It was designed to be soft, yeah, and to be used with mic. I don't need a microphone in this side of space, um, but we do with all <laughs> this. So absolutely. Um, When we first started, you're right, it was us being in harmony and, you know, we've got to know each other since yesterday and kind of there's connections. But now we've started the real work, the processing, <laughs> and we're going to hear through the sound the energy matrix of each of the buildings on this site. And uh, we'll see what happens when we actually project to other buildings how that changes sound because space changes sound. Sound is space, Akasha. See, the work is not about, you know, studying all this stuff and whatever we're doing it for and coming to dowsing or sacred geometry or sacred sites. What is the purpose? You know, to reach enlightenment, to come to unity. We are already self-realized. We are fully realized beings, but we just don't realize it. The work is in actually letting go of the illusion that we are separate, or that we are not one. If we just let that go, then there's nothing left. Even the experience, a nice experience of sound, or food, or a glass of wine, or something, that is still an experience, it's still duality. But have a few more glasses, you forget the duality and you're... 
back at one. Okay, so let that sound flow through again. And just know that it's part of the processing. And let's see where it takes us. So throat open, mouth. So let it let it flow. So nice deep breath and Keep sounding and take, take your whole awareness to the main building. between the heavy energy of the building but also the very refined architecture. I mean I could see it, see it in the sound. I see sounds and uh, I could see the geometry of it. It's could could you sense that? Mm, yeah. The building was appreciative. Yes, the building was appreciative. It's got history. It's what it's got history. It's got history, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's probably built according to different measurements as well. Yes. Non-metric. <laughs> as we know with sacred geometry, that there is proportion and harmony, but then there is also measure, and whether it's Egyptian cubits or feet, or um, and and that of course all relates to universal number and universal geometry. So, um, 
were asymmetric, yeah, it's, it's totally and utterly, um, it's to disconnect us. But it's the same with music, because all music, uh, the, the note A, where everything is tuned to 440 hertz at the moment, concert pitch, that changed in 1938, deliberately. Before that, it was tuned to 432 hertz, which Mozart and all those other composers composed to. And that changed it from the heart harmonic up to the head. Yeah? The same with the old measurement system to metric. It's a disconnection process. And in fact, interestingly, one of my favorite uh, groups, uh, Pink Floyd, tuned their instruments to 432. So all their music is 432. And also, uh, what's the other? Um, a lot of those bands in that age, uh, they knew this stuff, so they tuned down to the original. So, yeah, to get a sense of what this building is tuned to is, is, is really good. Would you, would you accept that there is a, an emotional context to this as well? Yeah. yeah. It's almost as though the, the building was designed yes. to make sure that the people facing in this direction didn't make a noise, but the people facing outward did. Are you talking about in this room? Yes, in this room. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, but all buildings will have an emotional content. In the, the original design, which impacts the soul, but also on everything that has happened within that space. Um, you know, on the land before the building was there, um, whether it was right for the building to go on that land is, a, is another story which we'll be looking at over the weekend. Um, but certainly everything that happens within a building will build up layers and layers of emotions, beliefs, um, and so on. And we walk into that, and we're affected by that emotion. Um, two people won't have the same response. Um, and this comes back to why do we choose the house uh, we're living in. In fact, we, we did a radio podcast yesterday with, with Graham, and uh, I kind of go into a lot of detail about this, but essentially we choose, you know, 99% of the time where we choose to live, to buy a house, to rent a house. And we choose it through resonance. There is something in our field, something in our energy matrix, our belief system, whether it's from childhood or a lot of the times past life stuff, we will choose a particular house because it carries the same blueprint. And because we are looking for ourselves, we're looking to come back to unity. So we are out there looking for that object, for that building that reflects, that mirrors who we truly are or who we think we are. Yeah. And so we'll be attracted to this building. And so, for example, if um, there's somebody who'd gone bankrupt or divorced in that particular house, um, and that is the energy you're carrying at the time, you'll go to that house and you'll think, you'll think feel, um, oh, this feels good. It feels comfortable. It feels familiar. But of course it does because you're carrying the energy of what's in the house. And so you're matching the pattern. But of course, what happens is when, when we then move, the next part of our journey starts, and that starts to impact and actually bring that up you know, for us to deal with. It, it's the same with, um, with geopathic stress. Uh, and we all know that that causes illnesses and cancers. 
So somebody who's predisposed to cancer will be attracted to a house with geopathic. And we've seen this many times in consultations. Um, and all sorts of strange stories. Um, there's one we worked on, uh, some people out in Suffolk, and uh, they chose a house 20 years ago. They were only found out a few years ago, oh, and, and the man was actually dying of uh, prostate cancer. And uh, they only found out a few years ago that um, they were renting the house and kind of found it by accident. And they did some local history searching and discovered that his great uncle had lived in that same house a hundred odd years ago, and he died of the same thing that this man was suffering from. Now that is not coincidence. Well, actually it is. It's coincidence of those energy fields that brings us. And I was speaking to a couple of people yesterday who said they chose a house in Cornwall uh, with similar kind of, not, not, not the issues, but uh, it's like, wow, we found ourselves, how did we get here? And the, the story got even stranger because um, one of the rooms, the, the wife of the lady 100 years ago was still in spirit wandering up and down the room. And he was lying on the bed, um, dying uh, in, in spirit. And so we had to get the people to re the, the living people to reenact that process. And um, it, it was quite a moving um, session, and eventually it was resolved. And they, see, because we can't change anything until we bring it from the subconscious to the conscious, and we've got a choice of what we do with it. But until then, it stays in the subconscious, affecting us, running our lives. But once we bring it to that point, we see it, and it's that aha moment. And that is what is so beautiful about this work, when you get people to actually realize it. You know, we don't go and tell people, this is your problem, this is how to fix it, and let's do space clearing. You know, that's, it's about getting people to realize what the issues are and what, is, what it is that's running. Um, things. Um, but once that's realized, then the choice is there to do something about it. And the outcome of this was that this man went from a PS count of six within several months to a PS count of one. Just by that realization and that releasing of that pattern that's been held in that house for the last hundred years that he still had that kind of DNA blueprint attachment to it that brought him there for resolution of his own stuff. But also when we heal our own issues, we're healing the past and the future. Isn't it said it's seven generations either way or something like that? And of course, in, in truth, there is no time and space. So everything is now. That's why we can access different dimensions when we go to sacred sites, we're standing in these places, and it's like, yeah, all the ancestors are there. <laughs> um, get very crowded sometimes. Anything on this so far? Because I want to go into another level of harmonic, see if we can actually reach the golden mean harmonic. Anything so far? Can I ask a question? Yes. Yeah. Are you talking about... Um, in this case, that there was a time zone and it needed to be changed to 
send the spirits back up onto the light? The, the lady was still um, was stuck and she was walking yeah. up and down the road. So she needed to be sent She to needed to be released, her spirit so released, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, there's no. Th this is why I always say it's so important to know what the story is yeah. before space clearing. So if you went in and just space cleared, great, you know, get the incense out, the bells, and um, even worse, the ghost busting stuff, which is really not what that. it's. You have to get permission. May I, can I, should I, before moving along? Well, absolutely, but then you've been asked to go there, so it's kind of, you've got the permission because the yeah, owner has asked you to. From higher up as well, not just from the people. Uh, for me, it's all the same. It's all one. So, um, yeah, obviously, if there's something that says no to something, you, you listen to that. And, um, but it's all, yeah, ultimately with permission, of course. Could I ask you, um, the title is So of the building. Do you mean the soul in the building? The soul I mean, of the building. Uh, is it a human soul? It's the soul of the building. Like, we have our own soul. When a building is conceived in the mind of the architect, there is a soul that comes to birth. In fact, some buildings have no soul. Yeah, New buildings particularly, cookie cutter, houses yeah we've all uh, been into them seen them and and they're just developer designed and i i can't pick up so in this building well then there, there probably isn't <laughs> but you see there, there is a way to bring soul back in um because if it if it's just a cookie cutter design thing then it's just off plan developers builders build it in and what you've got is a building with everyone's emotions their egos their financial reasons for doing it and you move into that um i worked on one once where it was a new development of houses and it felt so sterile and empty it it, it was just soulless and the process i was given to work with was to actually bring a soul into the building through baptism through water, through the element of water. There is a process I will take uh, a group through to actually find the soul of a building. And there is a physical location uh, in a room or in a house where um, it's the sea point, it's the spota in Sanskrit. And that sea point is what holds the code. It's the same as sacred geometry. If we take a cube, bad example here, but imagine this was a cube room, a square room. You've got eight corners, yeah? In the center, you've got the C point that holds the code of Q. And when we sound in the inner mind and give that impulse of creation, Q, the word Q is the code in the original language. English is washed down a bit, Sanskrit is purer. So if you sound that, Q, what happens is the eight radii go from that code point and expand out to those eight points and stop. Eight equal radii, and they stop at those node points, those eight corners. And so you've created the cube through sound and intention. 
And it's those points that matter. And so we can change the energetic nature of a room by recreating a different code, a different sacred geometry in the etheric matrix, irrespective of the physical. The physical is, of course, important because of the standing waves. That is all part of it. But at the etheric level, high vibration level, the energy matrix is really important, the geometry of that. So um, every house will have a point. So if you've got a 20-bedroom house, I don't have to go to every room to work on it. I find the sole seat point of the house and breathe through it, and that will resonate sub-resonances, sub-harmonics throughout the whole building. Saves a lot of walking around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the relationship between a building and the land it's on. Absolutely. Um, Helen did say, would I, I like to kind of sign my books after this talk? And I thought, well, I haven't finished it yet. So, uh, um, but I have to talk to you about my book. Well, several, actually, I'm writing, which is probably not advisable. Um, it's why none have been finished. But what, the one I'm really uh, working on is the key signature of buildings, KI, energy signature of buildings, and also the musical key, of course, uh, the harmonic code, um, which is really about um, this original soul and its imprint. Now, where it's put on the land, of course, absolutely crucial. Um, and this is about before an architect even starts to design, does that land, A, want a building on it? And if it's no, it's no. If it's negotiable, it's no. <laughs> um, and if you try to build on it, and people do, and that's why we have so many problems with buildings. So it doesn't matter how sacred you make the building afterwards, you're building on a site where the earth elementals are saying no. And that creates all sorts of havoc. Um, of course, a lot of this work I get involved in is, is fixing these things. And there are ways of um, appeasing the earth elementals and, and so on. But the choice of land, so assuming it's yes to a building, then where it's sited, of course, is well documented in feng shui and, and the Indian Vastu system of feng shui. Uh, its orientation, you know, to the magnetic poles and all this sort of thing. Uh, landscape formation, so it's well supported. All, all this stuff is, is well documented, as I say. Um, and then from that, it's what is the purpose of the building. And um, then the new design of it and how it's expressed for its purpose and using sacred geometry and, and so on. Um, but the essential thing for any building, as um, anyone here you know, working with sacred buildings would know, is about designing a building to be able to hold charge. There is no point if a building can take charge and then it drains away. And all sacred buildings you will find, they're built on land that is itself already charging, whether it's blind springs or ley lines, crossings, whatever. So that charge is coming from the Earth, but then you also want the galactic charge. And the geometry of the building, certain geometries will hold charge, the golden mean harmonic, for example. And 
um, what I want to get onto in a moment, um, assuming we've got a bit more time, is to go through the various harmonics until we get to the golden mean and actually see what that feels like. Because the golden mean is who we are. It's what our true vibration is, our heart harmonic. So when we actually hear it, experience it, it reminds us we know. So a building uh, that is designed to hold that charge, what to attract it, but also to hold it, is very important. So there are lots and lots of layers that um, um, come into this. Yeah. I was just thinking about stonemasons in the old buildings, mm. the energy um, from themselves, their own person. Yes, absolutely. So it really starts there. Well, when you look at, and I've got one picture in my, uh, in my studio of um, uh, Ramesses II outside Luxor, the Temple of Luxor. And you just know, looking at it, the mason who sculptured it, you can feel the consciousness level. And that is still there vibrating after, uh, what, 3,000 years or 2,500 years, whatever. Extraordinary. So the consciousness connection we have in whatever we create We'll hold there for time immemorial. Time does not wipe it out, because there is no time in truth. Yeah. So in the present moment, that's why we can access all dimensions. Okay, we've got five minutes, five harmonics to the golden mean. So let's stand. <laughs> Okay, so all on the same note, so on uh, magic. Could you hear all the harmonics? Yeah, the octave, the halfway. It's beautiful. I'm surprised actually, I didn't think we'd we'd get it in here. So that is coming purely from us, so Good one. <laughs> we, we're not depending on the resonance of the room. Um, so what we're going to do is manifest those three sounds. So we've got the one sound we just sounded. And then, um, so we'll all start on that. And when I indicate to two, anyone who wants to go to the octave, go to the octave. And everybody else with a, the lower voice, stay on one. I usually say the ladies to the two, and then we get into this, you know, sexist argument. It's like, yeah, but I've got a low voice. And, you know, like, well, you know, go where you want your voice to go. <laughs> so, uh, so let's just try that. So all on one. Could we hear that middle note really clearly? Okay. Um, so this time we'll do the same thing. One, two, and then whoever is comfortable and can hear that middle note, three. Go to that middle note. Okay? Each one, each proportion has a different emotional feel. 
we don't have time to kind of explore that more. But the octave is the one to two ratio, the Egyptian ancient Greek temple, one to two. And the halfway is like the fifth on the piano between C and C. Yeah, it's a two to three ratio, a lot of sacred buildings as well. So we are sounding sacred architecture in three-dimensional form here. So the next step to that, that halfway note is, we've got one and the octave two, and that halfway note was 1.5. The golden mean is 1.61803. So it's slightly above that halfway note. So who, who went to the halfway mark? Okay. So what we're going to do is go one, two, halfway, take a nice deep breath, and then when I indicate like that, those halfway note people just slightly nudge up, and you'll know when you hit the golden mean. Everyone else stay absolutely steady, because it's about relationships. Ratios are about relationships, relationships to the self. So if the self moves and loses its unity, its memory of self, everything collapses and the golden mean won't happen. Okay? A bit of philosophical chat there. Okay, so one, two, halfway, golden mean. Okay, nice deep breath. And out. <laughs> oh, that was too tempting. <laughs> so, no doing, just let it flow. Okay. And sense it? There's a, a few straggling notes, but um, so whatever your note is, keep absolutely steady on it. Okay, so again. Yeah, it, the, the resonance is not kicking in. Um, so let's write one, one more time, and then we'll bring to a close. So those middle note people, if you could up the, the volume, take a nice deep breath in before you resound it. Okay.
jingles, buzzes. Yeah, it felt like you just lost the individual notes and you had a yes. complete yeah. harmonic that you were part of. We will lose our own identity, ego, because once we connect with golden mean, that there is no, there are no boundaries. We are just merged with the universe. So, on that note, <laughs> so take, take that sound, that energy, that vibration into the rest of the weekend and uh, thank you. Well, it's not every speaker who can get a whole lecture theatre touring together to try and produce the golden mean harmonic. Did we make it, do you think? Uh, there'll be more from Christian next podcast, but that's all we have time for just now. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the society, and to find out how we can help you get more out of your dowsing, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. Please do get in touch with your comments and ideas for new podcast episodes. Send an email to podcast at britishdowsers.org. And thanks to Derek Woodhead, who got in touch to suggest an interview with Joey Korn. Now, I had wanted to get hold of Joey during the uh, conference, but uh, time conspired against us, unfortunately. But I do hope to have a chat with him via Skype in the coming months. Uh, Don't forget, you can post messages on our forum, and you can also find us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash britishdowsers, and we're now also on YouTube at youtube.com slash britishdowsers. Thanks for listening. Many thanks to Hilary Brooks for the music. Uh, Be sure to join me next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.